Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show all about workers' rights and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast to you around the country on Community Radio Network. I'm Dennis Rogatyuk. On today's show, we will once again explore the ideas and practical measures behind establishing workers' power over the means of production. By now, many of us in Australia and even beyond have heard of Earth Worker Cooperative, the decade-long initiative to establish a worker-controlled factory that would produce solar energy products and serve as a real solution in combating climate change, providing manufacturing jobs and helping to unite the labor movement. The initiative is now in its final stages of finally establishing a factory in Dandenong South and fulfilling the decade-long dream of a workers-led economic solution to neoliberalism. Mark Tyler, one of the organizers of uh, Earthworker, will be joining us for discussion later on the program. Another project that we will look at will be the Florio Poultry Association Cooperative in South Australia. This particular project was started off by former workers of the Aldinga Processing Factory owned by Ingham's Poultry in the town of McLaren Vale. Faced with the prospect of factory closure and the loss of over 80 jobs, as well as severe impact on the local community, the workers have decided to band together and, with, a, with the support of National Union of Workers, have begun the process of buyout or mutualization of the plants under workers' control and for the benefit of the community of Florio Peninsula. Joining us for that will be Rick Duke, the project officer for this cooperative initiative. Before going into the topic of uh, cooperatives, we have a very special guest who has become an overnight union sensation for taking on the corporate giants in the food and hospitality industry. Kalani Pyra was fired from her position at the grilled restaurant in Camberwell for speaking out against the mistreatment of herself and her fellow workers. Late night shifts, no overtime pay and unfair dismissal were but a handful of issues that they faced. Backed by her union, United Voice, and apparently almost the entire greater union community, she decided to take her case against Grilled to federal court. On Monday, it was announced that she is to be reinstated, but the battle for fair treatment of hospitality staff at Grilled continues. And now we are with us, Kalani Pyra, a member of United Voice and Socialist Alternative. Kalani, welcome to Stick Together. Thank you for having me. Now it's a real pleasure, and uh, also congratulations on winning your case against uh, Grilled. Thank you. Um, it's it's not over yet, though. At the moment, um, I've been reinstated until um, the rest of the case is heard in the end of August. Right. Right. What? Yeah. Uh, what? But what made you take uh, the case straight to the federal court and challenge Grilled there? Um, well, I definitely wanted to um, take a stand with what happened to me because um, I was obviously fired for standing up for my rights. And so I thought it would be really important to um, win my case in order to show other young workers that they don't have to be scared to stand up for their rights as well. And I was just really lucky that the union um, got behind me um, and, yeah, said, we're going to take this to the federal court. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. could, you, could you also just briefly tell us about uh, the kind of conditions that you had to face um, uh, while working uh, at Grilled? Yeah, so um, like I, I really loved working at Grilled because obviously I had all my good friends there and everything, mm-hmm. but um, something that we always 
had like, talked about was just how low our wages were and um, the fact that we were there until 2 a.m. sometimes, no overtime rates, um, there every weekend, no penalty rates, um, all those kinds of things. And it's just we worked so hard and we were get, getting paid so little. And so um, when one of our friends got fired for um, having a Gatorade one day, um, it just, it was a real shock to us that they could just get rid of someone so easily after all the hard work that they put in. Um, and it made us really want to start doing something to change the, the conditions that we had at Grilled. And uh, just how often have you heard of uh, cases like yours happening to other workers in Grilled, perhaps at your, your the restaurant you worked in uh, or other ones? Yeah, um, unfortunately, I think it's a far too common um, story. Um, hospitality workers, young workers being super exploited. Um, and yeah, I think that's exactly why this, this, this story has gotten so much attention because it's just happening to so many people or everyone knows someone or has worked in hospitality. And yeah, so unfortunately, I think it's too common. And I, and I don't think it's common enough that um, when these things happen, we actually take a stand. So I, I really hope that this can somehow um, change that, in, even in just a small way, to show workers that we should actually um, take this fight and win the conditions and wages that we deserve. Mm, of course. And hospitality is obviously a very difficult industry to be a union member in and organize. But uh, do, you yeah. think, do you think that your victory might encourage other workers, as you say, to join and to, to join the union movement and to speak out? I, I really hope so, and um, I I think it actually has been the case because over the last um, couple of weeks, I've just been completely flooded with all these messages and um, comments from people, young workers in grills uh, around Australia or just um, workers in general who are like, this is happening to us too and what can we do? We want to do something about it. And so I think that's been really amazing and definitely something that's been inspiring me to keep keep going when it gets a bit stressful. Um, but yeah, I, I hope this has actually shown people that there is power in um, the union and in unity and solidarity. And um, what else do you think can be done, you know, to help hospitality workers like yourself to unite and uh, demand uh, better conditions? Well, I think it's I think it's something that young workers need to actually have more faith in themselves and organizing together. I think the only way we can really win any of these changes is to actually organize and involve as many, many people as we possibly can. And um, that's what we tried to do at Grilled in Camberwell. From the very beginning, it was just about trying to get as many people along to just talk about things at first and then start organizing things. And, and that's when you see people getting more confident and actually thinking, yeah, we, we can actually make a change. Look at all of us. We're the ones who run run this store and, and make everything go. Like, we, we can do something about the conditions that we have. So education yeah. education is definitely uh, the, key, the key to go here uh, about this, the, this sort of uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, the unions can definitely play a really crucial role in that, definitely. Do you feel like any other, uh, we could get this, the support of, uh, or... or um, the support or advice or any other organizations uh, in our fight? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I think Socialist Alternative um, Red Flag is a great place to start reading about all kinds of struggles that are happening um, that you never hear about anywhere else. Um, but even just going to a picket line one day and, and supporting the workers there and seeing how they actually do these things, and um, I think that's the best education that you could get Um the actual experience itself. We've also heard a lot about the $15 an hour minimum wage 
huge campaign that's being that has been waged in the US by the fast food workers. Uh, do you think um, it will be possible to build something like this, uh, something of this size and breadth here in Australia in the hospitality industry? Yeah, I, I I think it's definitely possible and I really hope it happens because that's definitely a campaign that I've been so inspired by um, and something that drives me to keep doing what I'm doing here with all my friends at Grilled. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's possible and I really hope that um, what we're doing right now can be maybe a tiny part of what is to come. If, if they can do it and if we can do it, so can everyone else. Mm-hmm. So maybe you and the crew at the Grilled Camberwell were kind of the first spark that would that uh, set, set off the uh, the wild the wildfire of uh, <laughs> hospitality <laughs> union members in their fight yeah, for better I conditions. Hope so. I hope so, and I, I think it's definitely not going to stop um, from just winning our case at the Fair Work Commission on Thursday if that happens. I think we definitely want to continue trying to talk to more grill workers, talk to more young workers and see where this could go next because, yeah, it's, we definitely don't want to lose that momentum that we currently have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, just to finish off, so um, uh, you mentioned before so the plans now, the plans is definitely to continue with campaign and uh, continue uh, with the case. But is there any particular concrete next steps that you're seeing in the campaign? Yeah, so um, this Thursday is actually um, our hearing at the Fair Work Commission to um, try to terminate our work choices agreement and in favour of the minimum award wages. So that's going to be our next um, step for us. And then, um, yeah, obviously we want to try and get as many um, grilled workers, young workers or unionists to come down and support us. So, yeah, that would be amazing. And then... Um, yeah, maybe trying to have some kind of meeting with other workers who are interested in taking up this fight for um, our rights at work and seeing what, what we could do with that. And, and then I guess as well, there's um, the adverse action case that still needs to be heard at the end of August. So yeah, we've got a bit of work to do, but yeah, definitely, I hope there's more creative ideas that are coming out of that in the next few days as well. Right, excellent, excellent. <laughs> well, uh, Kleine, we, we, we at Stick Together wish you all the best uh, in your case and in the case you. of your of, uh, other hospitality workers. Thank you so much. <laughs> Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. We've just heard from Kalani Pyra about her ongoing battle for fair treatment at grilled restaurants. We will now move on to our discussion regarding the progress of the cooperative movement in Australia, starting in McLaren Vale, South Australia. Joining us now is Rick Duke, a project officer of Flurio Poultry Cooperative and a former member of the National Union of Workers. Rick, thanks for joining us on Stick Together. Thanks for your time. It's great, great to be on your show. Uh, now, Eric, could you tell, could you briefly describe uh, the project of uh, Flurio Cooperative in South Australia? Uh, yeah, we uh, we are a band of uh, mostly ex-workers, but other interested parties who came together after our poultry factory was shut down last year by Inghams, who moved their uh, turkey poultry uh, operations um, into New South Wales and meant that the factory that we were working at was uh, shut down and it's now been sitting empty uh, for the last six months. 
So, um, yeah, we're sort of taking it aboard to try and get it reopened as a community cooperative. Mm -hmm. And uh, what sort of um, a cooperative model are you seeking to create? What, what, what sort of inspiration is there behind, uh, behind this uh, project? Uh, look, I guess the, um, you know, Mondragon would probably be the, um, the shining light for cooperatives, but I think closer to home there's, there's a lot of cooperatives in Australia that we just don't realise. And, and through association, um, the Goulburn Valley Co-op has been um, uh, very supportive of us and uh, I guess they, they've given us a bit of inspiration having gone through it very recently that we, we know it can happen but uh, it obviously it takes a lot of work and, and that's what we're plugging away with at the moment. Mm -hmm, right. And um, how did the idea of uh, Florio poultry uh, come about uh, in the first place? Uh, look, it really came about by uh, Tony Snelson from the, the National Union Union of Workers. Uh, the day after it announced that we would be shutting down, uh, the union came down to talk to us all and Tony floated the idea of a cooperative and look, I, I have to say to that at the time, I thought it was one of the silliest things I'd ever heard in my life. And um, but nonetheless, I, I thought I'd I'd hear it out, and uh, Tony organised the meetings, and uh, we we went along, and the, the longer the meetings went on, I thought you know this is actually something that that can work, and it's something that we can carry forward and actually create jobs and put back into the community. So I was sold pretty quickly on the idea, but yeah, it, it really just came out of the blue the day after we uh, uh, yeah we shut down from the, the National Union of Workers. Mm -hmm. And uh, what kind of support um, are you receiving? or you're planning to receive from the uh, from the National Union of Workers or from the local community or from the South Australia uh, government or federal government? We, we, we have uh, quite a bit of support now. The, um, the, the Goulburn Valley uh, Food Co-op in Victoria uh, formed uh, after the, the Hines shut down. Uh, they supported my wage uh, for the first month. The National Union of Workers then came on board and they supported my wage for the next three months. And um, one of the consultancy companies we've done with have also uh, now uh, um, funded my wage for another month. So, so from that point of view, uh, the um, the support's been outstanding because we, we believe as a project we would have found it hard to, to go ahead if we didn't have someone dedicated to the project. The National Union of Workers uh, have let me set up base in their office so I've got all the internet and phone use that I need, uh, just their, their support has just gone way outside and above of, of what you would expect from a union. It's um, yeah, All the meetings that we held, especially earlier on in the piece, they were all held uh, outside of business hours down at Maiponga and um, you know the union guys would be there week in, week out at the end of their days, not getting home till you know, probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, uh, so their support has been unreal. Uh, the state government funded the study, uh, they agreed um, to, to fund the study and, and kick in $70,000 and, and certainly they've, they've been on board and have been, you know, the um, primary industries department, for example, have really, really tried to, to do what they can for us, which has been great. And uh, the local community, you know, we, we sign petitions. Uh, we have uh, many people liking us on Facebook and people hear about our project in the street and they're, they're very they're very heartened that we're uh, out there trying to do something. Oh, sounds excellent. And uh, what, kind of, what sort of timeline do uh, are you, are you currently um, uh, operating in in terms of the uh, in terms of setting up uh, the cooperative uh, project? 
Look, that's a really hard question to answer. Mm. I, I guess that the the best answer and perhaps the only answer I can really give is just as soon as possible. Uh, we know that there's other other enterprises interested in the factory, um, and while the factory wouldn't necessarily uh, stop our project, it is fairly critical to the success that we could have. Uh, so, yeah, we, we'd, we'd really like to the, the factory opening up um, by the end of this year, if not early next year, as our community cooperative. I mean, we time is of the essence at the moment, so we're, we're working on a, you know, we, we need this as soon as possible. Well, you, you, well, you mentioned the Golden, uh, Golden Valley Cooperative uh, before, but uh, how, how do you plan to connect with other cooperative projects uh, around Australia, like Earthworker? And would it be possible to actually create a network of cooperatives like Florio in, Aust- in South Australia but also perhaps uh, around the country? Uh, yes, that, that, that's just the, the perfect question because that's exactly where, where we see where we see the, the whole cooperative movement is that you know look we're really important for our area but but the, the longer we've we've gone into this project I know I have become an absolute cooperative nerd and I'll sit down and I'll watch YouTube videos and whatever else because this whole business model is is just uh, definitely part of the answer to our unemployment problem at the moment. Uh, particularly in South Australia, I think we've got the highest unemployment in the, the nation, if not the second. Uh, we have manufacturing shutting down all the time. So, so those ties with other cooperatives like the GV uh, Food Co-op, uh, Earthworker, who we're sincerely hoping that we can get them involved in our project to supply us, uh, the solar hot water and, and, and other stuff like that. Uh, you, you know, we, we really, we've branched out to other cooperatives so that we can try and learn some lessons from them, get some answers to some questions and, and some advice and just a, a little bit of a sounding board so that if we're having issues, we can talk to someone and they can say, yep, we understand what you're going through and this is, this is the way it will pan out. But to, to be able to set up a network of cooperatives across the, the land uh, would just be the ideal because because um, that's the true cooperative spirit is, is that we can set up a cooperative and then we can perhaps we can help others. So when the next factory shuts down, when the next business shuts down, we can go to that business and say, look, guys, is there a need for your product? Can we help in any such way? And I know there's a couple of cooperatives around South Australia, uh, such as the original town hall down in Brighton, uh, that, that we're trying to support and help along the way. And, and that, that's what we do. I mean, it's the whole cooperative thing, isn't it? So um, I think building up a network of cooperatives is a, a very important part of the economy. And uh, I think if you look worldwide, and um, particularly in America at the moment, uh, you know, governments at all levels, they're, they're throwing money at cooperatives because they see the advantages that they, they give back to local communities. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so much for um, sharing with us the experience of the uh, Florio uh, Poultry Cooperative and we wish you all the best of luck in that project. Thank, thank you very, very much. Thanks for your time. That was Rick Duke from the Florio Poultry Association discussing the prospects of a cooperative poultry factory in South Australia. For our final part of the show, we are going to bring you the latest developments and news regarding the Earthworker Cooperative and its quest for clean energy jobs and worker-controlled manufacturing. We have with us now Mark Tyler, the organizer for Earthworker Cooperative. And Mark, thanks for joining us on Stick Together today. G'day, Dennis. Thanks for having us and hello to your listeners. Now, Mark, could you give us a bit of an update regarding uh, Earthworker and uh, what stage of, a de- of development it's been at? Uh, sure. So, 
Um, as some of your listeners would know, um, Earthworker uh, has been raising funds to um, basically help set up a foundation for the first worker cooperative factory um, to uh, grow. Um, now, it's, it's as, as a worker cooperative, um, we don't uh, have access to some of the traditional forms of, of, of fundraising where, say, you know, large corporations kind of investing in us and this kind of thing. So, and also, nor do, do we really want to go to them for, for support. So, so in order to raise what is quite a lot of capital to get the factory really strong and growing, um, we've really had to go to the community and to our base, to our supporters, um, for, um, for, for that, uh, for that capital. Um, so we've been running uh, what's called debentures, which is basically a short-term loan with, um, with the interest paid back to people who invest. And we've been, been running the debentures now for, for over over a year and we've raised through that uh, initially in the first round we raised $250,000 and then we've been running uh, another round now and uh, and that's been really really successful and um, we're almost $250,000 for the for this second for for this um, this other round of the benches and that's also been a very there's been a strong push for that recently because we've had uh, recently an opportunity to finally buy out the the current directors Mm -hmm. of our factory and um, so we've done a big push and I think actually in just one week uh, people put in $150,000 oh that's amazing so yeah very um very exciting and, and I guess also for people who are involved with Earthworker, both the workers at the factory and organisers like myself too, a, a really, uh, I guess, important um, display of just a broad base sport that we have and the fact that people really do see what's going on as necessary and worth uh, worth getting behind and actually uh, putting a bit of skin in the game as far as, you know, putting, investing some money in us as well. So it's been a really good experience in that from that side as well and um, I, I guess whilst it's been difficult because it's a real scrap because mm-hmm. a lot of these a lot of these investments if you know they're, they're small investors you know $1,000 here $5,000 there not doesn't mean any real big kind of injection of capital uh, but at the same time it does mean that we're kind of needing to rely on and be accountable to uh, a broad base of people who actually believe in the project so it, it kind of keeps us honest <laughs> if we need that too which is which is a good thing as well mm-hmm. but yeah so that debentures is probably uh, that investment is probably uh, one of the, one of the biggest changes very recently. That's still going on, and with all the support that's come with this recent round, it does open up a lot of potential for us to really move with the next step. Yeah, absolutely, but uh, of the project, that's uh, the, the fact that this is this has this is happening and this has happened has has been has been quite amazing uh, for many of us, especially uh, since uh, uh, quite a, a lot of us for a long time thought that Earthworker has been a bit of a pipe dream, but has now become a reality. Do you feel like Do you feel like um, Earthworker has become well, more well known around Australia and the and the world as a result of this uh, of the development. Well, I mean, there's definitely a building um, support, momentum, and awareness around it. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I'm consistently hearing about friends who will just talk to people who know Earthworker kind of broadly in in different uh, worlds, whether it be kind of more union worlds or more kind of environmental worlds, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so there's certainly a, there's been a massive increase of awareness of the project and I think it is because there's a for a long time as all things need to start with it was an idea you know and it was it was an idea that was grounded in in the reality of what had worked in other places uh, for example you know one of the places that we look to in Mondragon which is in mm-hmm. the vast country of Spain which has 80, a network of 80,000 over 80,000 worker owners and worker cooperatives so it wasn't it wasn't an idea that was completely fanciful but it was an idea that hadn't yet taken root in, in our context in Australia um, and so you know for over a decade that, that was what Earthworker was was an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess 
more more recently, um, you know, over the last year and a half or so, that that idea has then has now been able to take root in, um, in the the factory down in Dandenong, um, and I think. You know, for a lot of for a lot of us in this day and age, we need more than words, and we do need something material to be able to believe and hope in something. Um, and that's just the that's just the, the harsh reality of of I guess with the context we're in. You know, um, so I think the fact that there is now this uh, real material reality, so it's something that people can touch and see, of a worker controlled, owned, and run uh, a factory that is producing uh, renewable energy um, industry of solar hot water systems. Um, you know, I think that that is, it, it's been necessary to build up a sense of, of, of grounded hope that this can actually happen and this can work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's really kind of um, got that momentum going and kind of um, has people listening Absolutely. from quite a broad range of worlds too, not, not, not only from kind of um, uh, organised labour and also from environmental worlds, but much further ashore, people in rural communities too who know that there needs to be some kind of real solutions around jobs in their, in their communities, um, you know, faith groups, um, even small manufacturers as well who can see that the writing's on the wall for manufacturing unless there's new strategies for, uh, for building up, up the sector. And so we want to make sure we build up um, what we have and that we do that well and, um, and that we make sure that we kind of uh, have that strong model that, again, people can look to and go, you know, when we do have the doubts arise about, oh, is this possible, which we all are going to have and everyone does have and, you know, it's not going to work, that kind of thing. We need that model that we can point to and go, well, look, it is happening now and uh, what we just need to do is get behind it and start replicating it. And, um, and you know, there's, there's a lot of potential and there's people up in the Hunter Valley, for example, who are who are doing that initial work of getting oh, an earthworker cooperative up in that area, which um, you know for a lot of reasons really needs those um, uh, that that good those good jobs mm, and, and also and um, looking at you know the reality that probably that area will eventually move away from from fossil fuels. And we also heard that uh, earthworker cooperative itself is currently um, uh, looking for uh, some uh, helping hands on board. Yeah, well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, if people are in a uh, uh, place to be able to invest, you know, anything from $1,000, where we'd really like to, um, to hear from them, you can go to our website and there's um, there's links there for, for investment or you can go to our face- Facebook page as well. There's a lot of information there that you can see um, about um, how to look at investing and then you can get information about what that actually means and, and um, the m- more details about it. Um, so that's one. Uh, we're also um, looking uh, for some people with particular skill set too. So one is uh, if there's anybody with graphic design skills, it's, it's an area that um, we're, we're looking for to, to try and recruit people around that. So uh, also uh, business management skills, particularly from people who um, have experience in more um, business in the community sector as well. Another area that we're um, we're, we're wanting to, to talk to people about recruitment around that too. Um, yeah, and, and I guess the, one of the most important things as well is just if, if people can um, let people know about Earthworker, um, you know, become a member, again, on the website there's information there. But the more that we have, really what's going to, what is building, what will keep building Earthworker is that a lot of people um, from the ground kind of uh, supporting the project, talking to people about the project, looking at, well, how can, how can, um, how can we work together to, to kind of to build up um, what is needed at the moment in Australia around producing the right things in the right way absolutely, um, yeah. and finding ways to, to work our way out of some of the problems that we're facing. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on Stick Together uh, this morning, uh, Mark, and thank you for updating us about uh, Earthworker. So. No worries. That was Mark Tyler from Earthworker wrapping up our show today. Well, that will be all for Stick Together this week. I'm Dennis Rogatyuk, and I'd like to once again thank our special guests, Kalani, Rick, and Mark, for appearing on our show today. 
Thanks to the Community Broadcasting Federation for its financial support of the program. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and we hope you tune in same time next week. <laughs>